Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Sports Plus podcast. It is the week of February 8th. Nolan Arenado is officially a Cardinal. Tom Brady won another title. And the Blues seem to be stuck in some kind of weird Arizona Coyotes time loop. Uh, So let's get into it. We'll start with the Cardinals first. Last week, like a couple of hours after we were done recording the podcast, the news officially came out that Arenado had officially been traded to St. Louis. And it looks now as good as it did when we were surmising about who might be going there. I, Ahmad, how much more excited are you for the season, the Cardinals season right now, than you were just a few weeks ago? Well, you have to love who's playing on first and third base. I mean, that makes you excited. Both of those guys can go for 30 home runs a year. So you looked at, you're looking at 60 home runs plus between two guys. I mean, you have to be excited about that, especially for a team who couldn't buy a hit in the playoffs. Frank, you talked one-on-one with Nolan for Sports Plus, which we're going to play that interview here at the end of this episode. Uh, The thing I took away was how much of a great fit he thinks this is himself and was really seeking out. He wanted to play here. Why is his personality going to fit so well here in St. Louis? Well, because it's, it's a baseball crazy city, and he is the baseball equivalent of a gym rat. I mean, he lives and dies it to know the history of players that played 30 years ago. I mean, kind of remind me of Tiger Woods the first time he met Bob Golby at the Masters. And he said, I remember you, Bob. Uh, you won the Masters in 1968. You shot here. You won the LA Open. I mean, that's, that's really cool when you see a young player know the history of the game and live and die it. It's because of his father that, that gave him the love of baseball, and he just hasn't stopped loving it since he was a little kid. In, in the times where the Cardinals were spurned by Mike Stanton and some other – John Carlos Stanton and some other bigger names who maybe didn't want to come here, they got their guy in Nolan, and I think they're going to love him. And, yeah, he loves it here too. And John Mosellock alluded to, they're probably not done quite yet. They shipped Dexter Fowler to Anaheim to free up some outfield space for the younger players. Ahmad, what would you think of that move? Well, I mean, you kind of had to see it coming. They want Dylan, Dylan, Carl, uh, Dylan Carlson to play. And then you have to think about Harrison Bader. He's really good in center field on the defensive end. You have to have somebody out there that's fast. And then they have a, you know, Arsenal guys that can play over there in left field, you know. So I think it had to happen. And uh, you feel for Dexter Fowler. Uh, I felt like he had a, a, good, a decent year last year. He was coming along. Uh, but, you know, things happen. So, and then it frees up some money. Cardinals, you know, they love to save some money. It does really stink. Dexter never... It just never worked out like everybody thought it was going to. That first year was fun, and he had some good moments, uh, but it, it didn't work out quite as everybody had hoped. That outfield defense is going to be very entertaining next year, though. You figure you got O'Neal, Bader, and Carlson. Uh, not a whole lot of balls hitting the ground. Uh, and Andy, the Cardinals probably might not be done yet. They've been linked to James Paxton, Taiwan Walker, the local kid, Jake Odorizzi, is looking for a starting pitcher. What do you think about a move uh, on the starting pitcher front to co- to complete the team ahead of 2021? You know, we have all these arms that are uh, have you know in the system that are potentially great. Uh, maybe it would help to have sort of a bridge year. Uh, I, I'd love to see him get a guy like Jake Odorizzi, uh, obviously a hometown guy from uh, Island, but uh, uh, you know he certainly is a power arm and uh, and a proven you know in the last couple of years is a you know proven double digit winner. Um, so I mean I would love to see them uh, go and get them until uh, until they can bring some of these arms along enough to uh, to be able to put them at the back end of the rotation. 
I just wrote something kind of looking at this uh, question as if they should get somebody. And there really isn't one guy who's going to supposed to be a starting pitcher who doesn't have some sort of question around them next year. It's maybe not a big question. We, everybody expects Jack Flaherty to bounce back and be good, but Kim hasn't pitched a full 162 game year. Dakota Hudson is gone for the entire season. Miles Michaelis didn't pitch at all. I have, if somebody knows what Carlos Martinez is going to do, please go ahead and tell me because I have no idea. So I'd really like to see him get an established guy uh, to come in there. Odorizzi would be a lot of fun, and I, I think he wants to come home too. So that would be a good one. Also this past week, a subtraction, Colton Wong signing with the Brewers. Uh, Cardinals have Tommy Edmond there to plug in. But I, I'm, I'm kind of sad. Not kind of sad. I'm really sad to see Wong go. He had a really interesting Cardinals career. Frank, what's going to stick out to you about him? Um, well, there's two things. Actually, three things. One is he was as accommodating and as friendly as any Cardinal in his six or seven years here. Two, I'll never forget, you know, when he got picked off and it ended a World Series game and he had to deal with the media at such a young age and he was weeping by his locker. It was such a sad thing. He didn't duck it, but it was tough for him. And then three is, you know, we saw as good a second baseman as we've ever seen. Now, Tommy Herr was really, really good. Um, Julian Javier was really, really good. But nobody was better than what we saw Colton Wong out of the last two or three years. I the first think point, the worst, oh, go ahead, Ahmad. I think the worst part about it is now you're going to see this guy all season long while he's playing in the division. He's going to have extra motivation every time he plays against us. You know everything going towards his side of the field is going to be hard to get past him. And, you know, he's going to come with it at the plate as well. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll suck, but it's bittersweet. You'll be cheering for him, but you'll be cheering the Cardinals on as well. He's well, a guy who... Of course, you've seen, you've seen the meme, I guess, probably on Twitter, with the photo of Wong and the, and the caption, Colton, why'd you pick the Brewers? They promised me October's off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this. Wong's not a guy who needs a whole lot of motivation and he can, he's like Adam Wainwright, any kind of slight he's going to take. Uh, we saw that he was not shy about his time under Mike Matheny. And then when Mike Schilt came in, so well, I can only imagine how fired up he's going to play against the Cardinals who declined to bring him back. So that should be fun. Uh, so let's move on a little bit. feels like we're caught in a coyotes time loop. Ahmad, it's going to be six, Maybe seven. They're talking about possibly adding. I saw an Arizona game for the Blues uh, on Thursday. I think it was because of COVID protocols with the Wild and Avalanche. How much do you think the NHL is reeling from a lack of a bubble right now? Because there's a lot of teams dealing with this, and they're just kind of making it up as they go, as other leagues have done. I mean, I think they're just like, look, we want to play. Obviously, they want their money. The owners want their money, so play. They have to go play the game. But you're looking at a situation where you're going to deal with problems. They know they're going to deal with problems, and now I think it's something where they're just like next man up. It is what it is. You know, we don't have to worry about a bubble. Although I think it would be beneficial to play in a bubble. I mean, you don't have to worry about all these positive tests, and then everybody plays as scheduled. But I think they're just like the rest of the leagues. We just keep on pushing, and you know, gotta play saw somebody make an interesting point. The Blues have had to deal with this. We don't know exactly how many guys I don't think had COVID before they went into the bubble, but there's a decent chance a lot of them have antibodies build up, and they're one of the teams that have, hasn't been affected yet. So that I don't want to make any connect too big of a connection there, but hopefully the Blues will be able to steer clear of this. Uh, some big Blues news over the weekend, though. Robert Thomas 
broken finger out four to six weeks. Frank, it didn't really seem like he was breaking out as at least I thought, and and a lot of people thought he was going to do so far early in this year. But this is still a big loss for the Blues. Corey, you kind of broke up just a tad. Oh, okay. Um, Robert Thomas out with a, a broken finger. Oh. He hasn't quite broken out like at least I was thinking he was going to break out, and a lot of people were projecting he was still good. And this is a, this is going to be a big loss for the Blues. Well, it really is. I mean, he's so good with the puck. He's so fast. He's so quick. He's so skilled. But I will say this. The one dent in his armor, the one hole in his resume is his lack of goal scoring. And I know there was a you know a couple legitimate excuses. One, he's really, really young. He's 21, 22 years old. And two is he's battled this wrist injury, which not only has prevented him from, you know, shooting at a really high effective rate during games, but also in the off season to work on his shot and perfect his shot. But I, I think we also have to come to the assumption is some guys are not just unbelievable goal scorers, which is fine. He could be a really good player and not be a 25 goal scorer. Maybe that, you know, that's going to have to come from, you know, Jordan Cairo or Zach Sanford, uh, but it is a blow. Bottom line is guys, a good player and they're missing a really good player. Good news for the blues is we've, been touting that depth for a long time and now they have to put it to use so they should have guys ready to fill in let's talk now of course we can't record a podcast a day after the super bowl without talking about the super bowl andy why would anyone in their right mind bet against tom brady ever that's for sure as frank pointed out he's also adding recruitment to his resume um you know i i I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I saw you, you know, is he the greatest winner in sports history? Uh, it's still kind of, for me, it's kind of hard pressed to push past Bill Russell, who uh, won 11 championships in 13 years and coached a few of those uh, championship teams as well as, uh, as well as played for them. But uh, I mean, he certainly has made his case that uh, you know, goes to a brand new team they're six and five at, at you know through the 11, uh, 11 game mark of the season and then run the table um, once he and Arians came to some sort of uh, happy medium as to how to run the offense uh, yeah he's he's putting distance between himself and uh, and everybody else and he's going to give Mahomes a real a real challenge to try to get to that level before before Mahomes calls it a, calls it a career Mod, you're a bigger football guy than me, and I got to be honest. I, I was, I was a little bit bored last night. I was hoping for a better game. Total domination by Tampa. What'd you take away from the game, Ahmad? Well, I think you have to look at the line. You have to look in the trenches, and I think that's where the game was won and lost last night. And I think that's the part of the game that everybody ignores with Kansas City's offense. I mean, they see Tyreek Hill, they see Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and they just they think touchdowns. But you don't think about you know, the uh, Eric Fisher, uh, Fishers and the Mitchell Swartz, like the guys who protect Patrick Mahomes. And last night looked like a track meet, you know, as far as the left tackle and right tackles were concerned for Kansas City. They were just chasing all night. You know, Jason Pierre-Paul and all those guys were getting off the line. So, uh, yeah, offensive line and defensive lines are very important in the National Football League. And I think everybody saw that last night. So, yeah, and like uh, Levante Davis said, they were way more physical, the Bucs were, than the Chiefs. The Chiefs were not aggressive like the Buccaneers, and, you know, the toughest team wins in football every time. Frank, we got a lot of Chiefs fans, even over here in St. Louis now, since the Rams left trying to find some kind of NFL team. What do you think? You know, there's a lot of hot takes, and I usually don't subscribe to any of those kind of things, but 
everybody, every Chiefs fan thought, oh, this is a dynasty. The Chiefs are never going to lose again. Uh, as long as Tom Brady's around or, or as long if they have a, a decent line, like Ahmad said, or is, are we talking about this differently? What does last night do for this Chiefs dynasty thought? Well, yeah, it's a little bit like the Rams. You know, everybody thought there was going to be a dynasty. They only ended up winning, only ended up winning one. Now, the difference is Patrick Mahomes is in the prime of his career. And if he's healthy, they're going to have a few more kicks at the can. But, you know, you are talking about a defense, which is 16th in the NFL. You are talking about a decimated offensive line. And you got to pay a lot of guys. I don't know if, you know, now Mahomes' salary is going to really kick in and get really big. You're a lot better off when you got that that quarterback on that rookie contract. We'll, we'll see how shrewd their personnel is, but they're going to have to spend a lot of money on that offensive line. Um, I don't think they're a lead pipe cinch for, to go on and win three or four Super Bowls in a row at all. I think our bills are going to be good next year, Frank. That's right. <laughs> uh, my takeaway from the Super Bowl, Blaine Gabbert, Super Bowl champion, uh, M-I-Z, to Chase Daniel and Blaine Gabbert have got it figured out, folks. So uh, if you if you want to win, make a lot of money, follow, go to Mizzou and be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Speaking of Mizzou, how about those Tigers? Mizzou opens the, the week ranked in the top 10 in basketball for the first time since 2012. But uh, that game against Alabama took some years off my, my life, I think. Frank, Mizzou fans know never to get comfortable but just yesterday, you know, I was just expecting them to fold and lose it, but this team didn't. And I kind of think this team might be different. Well, playing a college game is like taking a pass fail class. You probably took a lot of them, Corey, and just barely <laughs> passed. You may have gotten a D, but you still passed. Um, and that's what they did. And look, you beat the 10th ranked team in the country. You're not apologizing. There's no such thing as an ugly win. And they just have a, you know, a new weapon each night, a new best player each game. I'll tell you, this Kobe Brown is developing into a player, too. I just love the fact that they're trotting out their 22- and 23-year-old guys, fourth- and fifth-year seniors. I think they're going to win a couple of games in the tournament, and then we'll see what happens after that. I just love everything about Mizzou basketball. Ma, what were you thinking as you were watching this, getting ready to anchor on Saturday? Well, I was watching, and it was funny because when they were up 20, I was just like, there's no way they're winning this game by 20 points. I was like, I know they're going to make it competitive. And sure enough, it was a competitive game, came down to the, you know, the final seconds. But you just have to know that about Mizzou. They're a scrappy team, but I don't think they know how to play with the lead just yet. Uh, I think that's something we've been able to, you know, see all season long. And uh, hopefully they get it together. I feel like we'll learn a lot in this Arkansas game. They're not ranked, but they're 14 and 5. And I think that Arkansas team has a lot of talent. And I think Mizzou will get tested at home. And I think if they can, you know, overcome that, then I think they have smooth sailings the way out, you know, with Georgia, South Carolina, Ole Miss again, and a bad Texas A&M team. And, you know, I think it could be really good for them. A lot of uh, projected brackets have Mizzou and Kansas in the same region, which I'm crossing my fingers for. Even if <laughs> it didn't go Mizzou's way, I want to see it happen in the tournament. That would be some great theater for sure. All right, that is the horn. Final buzzer time. Last thing on the show or on the episode this week. One of my favorite parts of Super Bowl Sunday was watching Mizzou head coach Eli Drinkwitz on social media. He was he was there watching the game. He was posting nonstop on like every social media platform he had, like a teenage girl at like a boy band concert. It was great. Uh, so around the group, we'll start with Andy. If you could attend any sporting event, which would you attend? 
Uh, for me, it would be the one that I haven't attended yet. I would love to go to the Masters, and I would love to be there on Sunday, particularly. Um, I, I, you know, not only is it a you know, pristine golf course and and one of the hallowed uh, pieces of ground in the entire entire certainly golfing world, uh, I'd just like to see the drama and, and feel the excitement build up as they they get to the back nine and get to you know Amen Corner on Sunday and just kind of feel that vibe and, uh, and, and be a part of it. Frank, you've been pretty much everywhere. <laughs> what was your favorite you've been to or something that you maybe haven't done yet? Well, Andy took the one that I would take, but I still haven't been to an NBA final. So I wouldn't mind being in, you know, in Boston to watch the Celtics and the Lakers in an NBA finals, watching Jason Tatum play against LeBron. That would be pretty cool. Mod. He literally just took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say the NBA Finals Game 7. That would be amazing. But uh, I guess I've never done this one, College Football National Championship or the Alabama-Auburn game. I'm sure that will be, you know, a real dandy with those two schools and the, the rivalry and history they have. So I'm sure that will be a lot of fun. i pick Alabama-Auburn. That's what I would do. Before two years ago, I would say a, a Blues-Stanley Cup winner. But – that actually happened, which I still can't believe. So I'm going to go. I would love to just spend a few weeks walking around the Olympics somewhere because I don't know, watching it like the swimming, even the sw I get so excited for those swimming races. I can't imagine being in, uh, in the, whatever you call it, the arena or whatever you call near the pool. I don't know any swimming lingo, but like when Michael Phelps and those relay teams were going at it, electric i think i'd pick the olympics if i could pink pick anything so as i said earlier you're gonna hear frank's full interview with nolan arenado right now arenado dishes on the process of the trade to the cardinals how much he wanted to be in st louis the comparisons to scott Rowland, and what he thinks of his new teammates here's frank and nolan so nolan let's talk about the timing of the deal this is a deal that's been discussed for a long time when did you start to hear that this thing has legs again? Um, probably end of December, January. I heard that it had decent amount of legs, and uh, you know, obviously, it got me pretty excited. But you know, you never know how these all work out. You know, sometimes you hear about it. You know, this deal was extremely complicated, and Mo would probably tell you, or my agent or the Rockies also, I mean, it was a, it was a complicated deal. So I didn't know if it was going to get figured out, but I'm very happy it did. When it became official, what's the first thing you did? How did you celebrate with your wife? What'd you do? Well, you know, once it became official, just celebrate with the family, obviously. And, um, just got, we were all we were fired up. Um, um, just, we just, that was it. You know, we drove down here to Arizona, got to play golf uh, yesterday and the pro-am waste management. So that was like, I guess my celebration kind of get away, but you know, we were just stoked. We were just so happy for it to finally be done. You know, it, it was, you know, it's kind of tough being in limbo about it. So once it got done, we were very happy. How long have you had St. Louis on your mind? Well, I've always loved St. Louis, you know, I, I've always admired them from afar. So, you know, I always respected them. I love their unis. Um, obviously, Holiday's, Matt Holiday's a good friend of mine and just talking about the team. And uh, so within the last year, you know, I, within the last year and once they got Goldschmidt and, you know, you see Flaherty on the mound and Wainwright and Yachty, you know, it's just a good team. You know, they're a good team. And I felt like I could fit in there well. Not that you needed to be recruited, but Matt Holiday really was a good recruiter for the Cardinals, wasn't he? 
yeah, you know, Maddie's good about it. Once I told him it was kind of getting close and kind of serious, he really helped guide me and helped me out. And uh, I really appreciate him. You know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You know, me and Maddie, we both got a lot of love for Colorado because we both played there. So he never wanted to push me out of there. He just, just once I told him that St. Louis could be a possibility, he really, uh, he, he thought that it'd be a great fit. You know, the similarities, Nolan, with you and Scott Rowland are endless. Power hitters, gold glovers, ultimate competitors. I'm wondering, do you know Rowland at all? You know, I don't know him on a personal level, um, but uh, I got to meet him in 2019 uh, when he got his, uh, he got his uh, red coat, you know, um, in, into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And uh, it was against us that series. So I got to meet him, took a picture with him. And I watched a lot of video on him. And, you know, uh, he's just a great player. He's such a big dude. And to start, you know, and he moves so well, you know, it, it's rare you see guys move that well and be that tall and that big. So, you know, he was a great player. You know, if I'm half of what he was for St. Louis, I think St. Louis Cardinals would be pretty happy about it. But, you know, I would love to, you know, step into these shoes just like he did and uh, help his team win as much as I can. 2012, you're in Tulsa. Mike Schultz is managing in Springfield. You play against each other like 30 times. And Mike told me today that he actually asked you to take some days off, but you would never oblige. Yeah, you know, I, I used to say that, but like I told you, you know, uh, that team was ridiculous. I used to be like, dude, just how about you not, how about you don't throw Rosenthal? How about you stop throwing Martinez? How about you stop throwing Waka, Segris? You know, all these guys. I'm like, come on, man, give me a break. But, uh, they, that team was stacked. They were, uh, they were awfully talented. Your love for the game, where did it come from? You know, I mean, I've always loved baseball. My family loves baseball. My mom and dad, they love the game, my brothers. So we all kind of, we love being a part of it, love playing tournaments. You know, my parents always loved going. And um, it started there. And then obviously playing with guys in pro ball, I got to be too low. It just re-energized my love. But you know, I, I love working on baseball. You know, I've never looked at it as something that, you know, I'm like, oh, I got to go do this. I got to go take ground balls. I love hitting and taking ground balls. I, like, I really, truly enjoy it, you know. So, you know, I just, I don't know where, it, it probably started with my parents when I was a young kid, but, but uh, and then playing wiffle balls with my cousin, you know, just constantly playing the game and just, just love it. Andy Van Slyke was a coach when you just came into the big leagues, and he told me this week that you actually came up to him and you knew about his career. Are you a student of the history of baseball? Yeah, yeah, I do. I like to pay attention to little things. Um, former players, uh, Van Slyke, and I remember when I first got called up to the big leagues, Andy Van Slyke's son was uh, with the Dodgers. And so, you know, my dad was telling me about, you know, his, you know, Van Slyke's dad, Andy. And so I started looking him up <laughs> and finding out what, what, what about him and stuff like that. So it was pretty cool, you know, it, I love, I love looking up former players and how good they are and stuff like that. And, you know, I always try to compare if I'm like somewhat near some of those good players. Um, a lot of times I'm not because they're really good, but, you know, I try to compare and see how good they were. Tell me how special you think the defense is going to be, particularly on the infield. Well, very special. I think we've got a great group. Obviously, you've got Goldschmidt at first, who's a gold lover. Um, Tommy Edmond, who's a good fielder. Paul DeYoung is very good. And and obviously, hopefully we get Yachty back, and I think we'll have a very good defense. That's you know our pitchers will love you know hitting getting getting us ground balls. So, but you know that's you know I know you just said the infield, but the outfield is extremely good too. These guys go get man, they play hard. So I think you know pitching and defense is how you you get far in this game, and then what timely hitting. And I think we have that. Anybody that's seen you before a game take take ground balls always come away really impressed. Where did the dedication come from, and why has it always been important for you to just max out? 
Well, I think <laughs> when you say max out, I think there's a time and place for it. You know, I, I can't max out before the game because I'm going to drain myself. But I do when I do work on it, I do like to go hard. And then when I'm, you know, I try to, you know, it's it's it's, qual- it's quality, not quantity. Right. You know, we always hear those words. And that's kind of what I try to do. Like I try to not, and I'll take a lot of ground balls when like around this time, because I'm just trying to get ready for everything, you know, different hops and different looks. But as the season goes on, it's more quality than quantity. And uh, that's kind of what I focus on. But, yeah, when I do it, I like to go hard. And then so in the game, I don't have to, like, force anything. I'm already used to doing it. How about a reaction from the Cardinal players? How many have you heard from and any of the text or phone calls jump out at you? Well, obviously talking to all of them has been really great. You know, uh, Andrew Miller, Goldschmidt, Carpenter, Wainwright, um, Biotti, um Bader, I mean, a lot of the guys, man, they all hit me up. They all showed some respect, and that was, I really appreciate it. But, you know, I heard Ozzy Smith talking about me, too, so that meant a lot, too, to hear one of the goats talk about you. Uh, you mentioned Yadier Molina in your introductory press conference. Are you going to make sure this deal is done? You got some power now. Uh, you know, I don't think I got to convince Yadier about anything. I hope me signing gives him a little more incentive to come here, but... You know, I always tell him how, you know, I'd really like to play with him, how special a player he is. You know, playing against him, it's it's a grind, man. When he's back there behind the plate, it's a tough at bat, you know, and those pitchers are already good, but he makes it even tougher. But, you know, I would love to play with Yachty. He's one of the greats of all time, and uh, I think him with our defense would make us just so much better. We know you know about the baseball experience at Bush Stadium. Do you know anything else about our town, or what are you interested in finding out about St. Louis? You know, I don't know a whole lot. You know, I, 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 I love going there. We've, I've spent days off there. We've gone to the mall and, you know, we've had some different, you know, we've eaten some food there at like the top places. I, I don't really recall them, but we try to eat some. I, uh, I actually had Gator for the first time. It was in St. Louis, which is probably really random, but uh, mm-hmm. we did. And, uh, you know, I, I like how low key it is. Um, and I love that they care about baseball. You know, baseball's a big thing to that town. So that's going to be really exciting. Okay, before we let you go, we have some hit-and-run questions, and you can't hedge on any of these. It's rapid fire. All right, here we go. Baseball ba- – okay, here we go. Baseball hero growing up. Oof. I got to go Adrian Beltre. Most embarrassing moment ever for you on the field? Uh, Washington made three errors, and I think two of them went under my legs. First fun thing you bought with your bonus money? Wow. Um, I got my van. I, oof, I don't know. You know, I. You bought a van? I have a, like a Westphalia 1974 van, like beach van. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah I got one of those. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I didn't buy a whole lot. I was kind of, you know, I, maybe a pair of shoes or something. I don't know. You can trade places with any Major League Baseball and have his ability for one day. Who would you trade with? Probably Mookie Betts. <laughs> That's a good one. Music you listen to before a game? Um, Rage Against the Machine. It's kind of intense, sorry. <laughs> Meal you eat before a game? Uh, veggies, lean meats, and uh, yeah, that's about it. I try not to go too heavy. You've accomplished almost everything in Major League Baseball. Besides winning a world championship, what's another individual goal for you? Wow. Um, 
I mean, I think everybody would love to win an MVP one day. But, you know, honestly, it's winning. I, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to the All-Star game and do some cool things and win gold gloves. So, you know, I, wanna, I just want to win. Your wife's baseball knowledge oh. on a 1 to 10. I got to give it, you know what, she's better now. So I got to go uh, around 7. Wow. Does she ever give you a thought or a critique? Nah, she wouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Most enjoyable thing you do when you're not playing baseball? Um, probably hanging out at the beach, um, golfing. And what, what's your handicap? How good are you? Uh, right now, I got down to a 3-2. Right now, I'm a, probably a 5-6. Boy, you, you're going to have some good matches with Wainwright and Jupiter with that, those kind of scores. That'll be good. Yeah, I, heard, I, heard, I heard he's unreal, so I'm excited. All right, you're a great athlete, but I understand that wiffle ball may be one of your best sports. Tell me about that love. Yeah, I'm like a 12-time MVP, 12-time silver slugger. I'm the greatest left-handed wiffle ball player there ever was. Finally, give us your message to the city of St. Louis who will be watching this interview. What do you want to tell Cardinal fans? Well, I just want to tell them how excited I am to play for them, and hopefully I give them something to smile about. And at the end of the day, I'm here to win. I'm going to do my best to help this team win. That will do it for this week's episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe as well as rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week, everybody.